Hey, you're listening to the Lighthouse Podcast. For more information about the Lighthouse, you can visit lighthousedallas.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's uh, time to go now. So. <laughs> no, Pastor Lewis, they left me plenty of time to preach. I'm so honored. Thank you, Pastor Lewis, for giving me this opportunity to preach today. And we're actually wrapping up a series today called Weekdays, but uh, before I do that, let me just introduce myself. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Dan Higgins. I'm the Connections and Young Adults Pastor here. Where are my young adults? Bottom, there they are. Come on, cheer if you love our young adults. Come on. Yes. Listen, our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, our young adults' ministry, they are vital parts of this church, aren't they? They are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. So I'm glad to be a part of that. They are young, they are full of life, they are full of energy, full of ideas, and they keep me young as well. I'd like to recognize, I got a couple of my former youth group members here today, Tristan and Joey and Kayla. Hi guys, love you, thank you for being here. Uh, Joey and Kayla, students at SAGU, and they have come and uh, they followed me here, I guess, so that's, that's good. Um, well, I'm excited to wrap up this series today, weekdays, uh, not W-E-E-K days, but W-E-A-K days. Because sometimes we all have days where we feel weak, don't we? And I have loved this series. I think it was so creative of Pastor Lewis to take the creation account, those stories there that we have in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and to take encouragement, to take some affirmation from those stories that we can apply to our lives when we have these issues that we're working through, these problems that we're working through, these uh, times where we feel weak, and Pastor Lewis has done a great job. We started with day seven, and then went back to day one, two, three, four, five. So today, I am preaching on day six. So if you want to open your Bibles with me, I'm gonna read you the creation account from Genesis chapter one. This is starting in verse 24, it says this. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them have dominion over fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God says, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this creation account that you've given us, that you've shown us your amazing, awesome power in creation and that you have breathed the breath of life into each and every one of us and that we are created in your image. And Lord, I ask that today we would understand the gravity of that statement that we are created in your image, what that means to us, 
and in our lives. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to focus today on that last part of that story where it says that God created us, male and female. He created us in his what? In his image. We are created in the image of God. And we'll talk a little bit today about what that means. I've titled this message today, Image is Everything. And much like Pastor Lewis, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and this was a phrase I heard a lot, image is everything. Image is everything. How you project yourself to the world was very important. And so we're going to see how that's important in God's economy today. But as, as we've gone through the creation days, I just, man, how many of you are like me? Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the creation account, that's like my favorite part of the Bible. I just can't get over the, the power and the might of God just speaking things into existence. What a mighty God we serve. How powerful is that being that he can just speak and out of nothing, the universe comes into existence. And he's placed us all here on this planet. The trees, the mountains, the animals, the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the animals that he created. I, I, I don't want to go way over time today, but just take a moment to contemplate the beauty and the complexity of creation and the creativity that it takes to create all those different species of animals. And then when you look at human beings, the variety of cultures and languages and skin tones and body types and personalities that God has created, we are made in the image of God. And that is something to be celebrated. That is something that is very important to us because when we talk about being created in God's image, that tells me that, that we have two things from reading those verses. First, we have value. We have value because we are created in the image of God. Do you realize that? That is what convert, confers upon humans value, is the very fact that God has made us in his image. We are not just a higher species of evolved animal, a little bit better than the animals that were created and just a little bit more advanced and a little bit more intelligent. No, God has created us different than the animals. He has created us different than the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, right? He, he, he formed us and breathed the breath of life into us and said, let us create man in our own image as the Godhead is participating in creation. So we have value because of that. Do you realize that that means that you know, in Christianity, because we know this, because we have value in, uh, intrinsic value because we're created in God's image, that is why we respect life. We respect humanity. There is dignity in humanity. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, where you come from, we each have value because of being created in the image of God. And we have authority. God gave us authority over the earth, right? He said, have dominion over all of the animals, over the birds of the sea. He says, take care of this earth. We have a responsibility to do our very best to be good stu stewards of this creation that God has put us in. Okay? Sometimes when things get political, things get a little twisted, don't they? 
And we say, well, I just don't want to dis- agree with that side. I want to agree with this side. And we start getting things out of order. But God has said, listen, you are in charge of this planet. You are to take care of this planet. So that is something that we need to take very seriously. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and over the heavens and the livestock and everything. Let me tell you something. The fact that we are created in God's image is not so much about qualities or characteristics that we possess. It's about our standing before the Lord. And that is something that we really need to recognize that we need to have Uh, We need to find our identity because our identity is closely linked to our image of ourselves, isn't it? And how many of you know that today identity is a big buzzword, isn't it? People are are, are wanting to know, who am I? People are, I'm searching for myself. I want to find myself. Well, where did you go? Did you lose yourself? They want to know, though. What are they saying? I want to know who I am. Where do I fit in this world? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And as believers, we know where we came from and why we're here. We are created in the image of God. What happens, though, when we forget that? We're seeing the effects of that in society today. When we reject and we deny the fact that we are created in the image of God, what happens in society? We look for our identity. We look for our worth in other things that are never going to satisfy that are never going to give us contentment, that are never going to give us happiness. And we run after these things and we search after these things as as a society and as individuals. We're looking to the wrong places for our identity. We have a distorted view, a distorted sense of image and of, of identity. If we do that, we're bound for heartache, We're bound for sadness. We're bound to feel like we're failures. So we need to be very careful where we get our identity from. So let me give you a warning first. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start with this. Three places, three areas that we get a false identity. The first one is performance. Performance. a lot of people will, find, will try to find their identity in their performance. In other words, they say, I am what I do. I am what I do. Their, their value, their worth in life is based on their performance in life. Lots of people, this is their view of life. Listen, lots of believers, this is their view in life. I'm only good... If I do this or this or that or this or that, and let me tell you something, this is one of the most pervasive and persistent lies of the enemy is that our significance is based on our performance. If only we can do enough, if only we succeed enough, if only we impress enough people, then we're valuable. But what happens when you don't do those things? then your sense of yourself, your sense of your identity, your whole image comes toppling down, doesn't it? When I was younger, I played, how many of you played sports when you were young? Yeah, I played soccer, I played baseball, 
all through high school, I was on sports team. And I got to say, I really appreciate my dad and the way that he raised me and the way that he had me play sports. I was always allowed to play any sport that I wanted to and I participated. But he said, listen, you can play these sports, but you're going to play in the rec league. You're not going to play on the traveling leagues. Now, I'm not, I don't have anything against traveling leagues. But he says, you're not going to do that. It gets too competitive. You get too enmeshed in that. You get too uh, caught up in that. And how many of you have seen those sports dads? Those sports dads where everything is wrapped up in the, in the performance of their children on the sports field? Have you seen that? I've seen some fathers and I'm like, dude, chill out. What are you, whoa. I mean, there are some parents that are going way overboard. And what are they putting on their, on their children? They're saying, listen, your worth to me, your worth to me, kid, is based on how well you do on that baseball diamond. Your, your worth to me, my child, is based on how many goals you score tonight. And if you don't score those goals, then you don't have the same value. And you know what? Maybe the parents don't believe that. Maybe they aren't really saying that. But what is going on in that child's mind? They say, my worth is based on my performance, and dad's only going to love me if I do this. Mom's only going to love me if I do this. They're only going to care about me if I get good grades in school. They're only going to love me if I'm the best on the team. They're only going to accept me if I get that great job. And they say, my value, my identity is wrapped up in my performance. But how many of you know, you can work as hard as you want, as long as you want, eventually you are going to fail somewhere. And that does not feel good, does it? That does not feel good, but when our identity is wrapped up in that performance, when we do fail, what happens inside of us? We feel terrible. You can fall into depression. You're not good enough, you don't measure up. Now listen, is performance important? Yes. The Word of God says whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. But why? Because we're working for the Lord, not for men. Our performance is to please the Lord, not men. And our performance, by the way, does not have to do with how much God loves us. We're doing it because God loves us. That's where the value comes from, not in what we do, but because God loves us and we're created in his image. So we don't want to draw our identity from that performance. Paul, think of Paul, two sides of the coin, right? His performance at one point was pretty terrible. He's out there murdering Christians. He's, he's, a, he's promoting that. But then on the other hand, once he gets saved and all the, think of all the things that Paul accomplished in his ministry, all the churches he established, all the people that were saved because of Paul's preaching. But what does Paul say? He says, that is not worth anything to me. These verses in Philippians chapter three, verse seven, I once thought these things were valuable after he boasts, he's boasting about his accomplishments for the kingdom. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Paul understood it. My identity is not tied to my performance. Number two, sometimes we get a false identity from our possessions. 
Why do we work so hard to get more things? Yeah? Uh, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Gotta have that bigger house, gotta have that better car, gotta have a boat to go out on the weekends. Are those things bad? No. But when we say our identity is wrapped up in what we have and what we've gained in this life, first of all, our identity is in the wrong thing, and second, we're headed for another fall. Can I be real with you right now? A lot of you know this, some of you may not. Right now, me and my family, we're living in a barn. Literally, we're in a barn. When we came to the lighthouse, we sold our house in Greenville, and we thought, you know, we're gonna, we'll move to Dallas, we're gonna find a house, but have you searched for a house lately? Have you tried to buy a house? Lord, have mercy on your soul. It's difficult, the prices are crazy high, and we are like, where are we gonna go? And praise the Lord. Now listen, I'm not complaining about living in a barn, I praise the Lord for it, because uh, Pastor Stacia's parents, Mark and Stacy, thank you so much, they opened up their home, they have a one bedroom apartment in the barn on their property. So me, my beautiful wife, who is patient beyond all measure, my three darling daughters, and the dog are in this one bedroom apartment. It was supposed to be for a couple of weeks at the most, maybe a month. We're going on month six, y'all. And it is, it is feeling that way. I, I, I was snoring the other night and all four of them threw a shoe at me. And a dog growled at me. Sometimes I have to call my son in Kansas. I'm like, son, there is too much estrogen in this house. Just talk to me, boy. Tell me that there's a man out there who cares for me. I'm not complaining. The Lord has provided. The Lord has provided and he's got a plan for us. But listen, let me tell you something. Let me be real. As a man who wants to provide for my wife, and for my daughters, knowing that the desire of my wife's heart is to have a home where she can go in and she can decorate and she can make the house into a home. That is hard on me as a man from time to time. And if I dwell on that, if I say, there have been moments where I've had to switch my thinking because I start to think my value and my identity is based on my possessions. And I don't have a house right now. I don't have a place for my family, so I am therefore worth less. And I have to say, no, you know what? Thank the Lord, he has taught Holly and I to be content in whatever situation we're in. And we believe that God has a plan for us. God has a place for us. And in his time, it will be revealed and we will have that home that we're looking for. But if I start telling myself, my identity is based on my possessions and what I have, then I start feeling like a failure. And that has happened from time to time in these last few months where I start getting that way of thinking and I have to remind myself, no, that's not where my value comes from. That's not where my worth comes from. Let me just illustrate one more time like this. If you think you're doing great and if you think, hey, my, my, I'm, I'm, I'm amazing, I've got so many possessions, I've got so many things and that's where your identity is. Let me just tell you about Elon Musk. Uh, this man has $176 billion worth. That's what he's worth. He could buy 5 million Teslas. He could buy 5 million of his own cars with that kind of money. Listen, one, in one week, his wealth jumped by 39 billion dollars in one week. He could buy the New York Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys, the LA Lakers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Manchester United, 
And when he runs out of those big sports teams to buy, he would still have enough to buy a whole fleet of 747 jets and start his own airline. That's wealth. He has wealth. And when we, we, we say, well, I'm doing pretty good, then you look at Elon Musk. Holy moly. It reminds me of King Solomon in the Bible. King Solomon was the Elon Musk of his day. He had possessions aplenty. You read through um, Ecclesiastes and, and you read through uh, Samuel and you, and you see what kind of wealth he had. It was beyond compare. Riches that we can't even imagine. But what did he conclude in Ecclesiastes 5.10? He said, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Now listen, is having possessions wrong? No. The Bible exhorts us to, to provide for those who depend upon us. And listen, we, we, it's good to have believers who are wealthy. They support the ministry of the Lord. They, they build, help build the kingdom of God on earth. So having those things and working hard to have things is, is not a bad thing. But if you place your worth in how many things you have and what you've amassed in this life, your identity and your image is found in the wrong place. And how many of you know that everything that you've amassed can be taken from you in a second? It could be gone. And then our world, once again, will come crashing down. And we're left saying, who am I? What am I here for? What's this all about? Like Solomon said. So we have position. We have possessions. Here's the third one. False identity is found in popularity. This is, I am what others think I am, or what others say I am. Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. And listen, it's not even just others. How many of you know the devil wants to tell you who you are? Oh, he's a liar. He's going to lie and tell you, you are no good. You are dirty, stinking. And guess what? Sometimes it doesn't even have to be the devil. Sometimes that's what I tell myself. Because I know me better than any of you know me. And there's times I'm like, man, you are a piece of dirt. Why are you acting like that? Why are you behaving like that? When we start saying my value is based on what others think about me or who people say we are, based on our, what we place out there in front of people. Listen, we even do this in the church, right? We even do this in the church. Well, I want to be a part of this ministry or that ministry because they get to be up on stage. Or I want to be part of this group or that group because they have an in with this pastor. And I'll be one of the popular ones. You're putting your identity in the wrong place. I know that's a little harsh, but that's the way it is. Listen. People have all sorts of ideas and all sorts of things that they can say about me and who they are. I, I learned this, at, how many of you remember being like 12, 13 years old, very formative years, right? I made a big mistake. In our youth group, there was this young lady and we had a youth event one day and she was wearing one of these stovepipe hats. 
with the stripes on it. You know what I'm talking about? The kind of hat that the cat in the hat wears. You know what I mean? I was trying to be funny. I was trying to make a joke. And someone said, hey, you look like the cat in the hat. And Pastor Dan, in his young ignorance, said, more like the fat in the hat. Oh, big mistake. I know, some of you guys are all like, oh, I heard it. You don't say that to any woman ever, no matter how old. Now, listen, she was, she was not heavy at all. I just thought I was trying to be funny. I called her the fat in the hat. The girls in that youth group were mad at me for so long. I'm like, what? I was just trying to make a joke. And they're like, she has not eaten for two weeks because of what you said. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I did not know the effect that my words had on her. I did not realize that... I know, my daughter's cringing over there. She's like, I can't believe you said that. I know, I'm sorry, Ellie, I'm sorry. But when you start taking your identity from what others say about you, when you perform well and people are happy with you and they start saying nice things about you, that builds you up. But not everyone's gonna love you. Not everyone's gonna think you're so great. Not everyone's always gonna speak so kindly about you. You're always going to fall short. Remember in 1 Samuel, you, you were reading about King Saul and how he messed up. Well, God decided he was going to replace Saul as king. And, and God told Samuel to go to Jesse's house, and he was going to pick, anoint a new king from Jesse's sons. You remember what happened? Jesse starts bringing his sons to Samuel. And Samuel looks at his the sons, and he's like, oh, wow, look at this guy. He's tall. He's handsome. Surely this is the king. And God said, no, it's not that one. Look at it. Well, look, at it. it must be this son, because he, look how intelligent he is. Look at the things that he's accomplished. No, it's not him. He goes all the way down the line, and God keeps telling Samuel, no, not that one, no, not that one, no, not that one. And finally, Samuel says, don't you have any more sons? And Jesse says, well, I do have the youngest son. I didn't even bring him in. Now, imagine what David could have been thinking at that point. Boy, the prophet doesn't even want to look at me. He looks at my brothers and sees these great guys, and he sees... Who, who they are and what they look like and what they've done. But what did the Lord tell Samuel? He said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him, speaking of his brother. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Hmm. You see, the apostles, they understood this. When the Pharisees and the religious leaders told them, hey, stop preaching this gospel, what did they say? Listen, should I please man or should I please God? Easy choice. When we, put it in, when we frame it in that way and we say, I'm not going to take my identity and what people think about me, what people say about me, but I'm going to live to please God instead, that's an easy choice. We can't get our identity from our popularity we can't get our identity from what others think about us. Now listen, being sanctified, being righteous, in part is about what others think about us, right? Because if we're living right, people will see that and they can comment on that. So putting, a, putting that in front of people is not a bad thing, but living that way and getting our identity from that is bad. What do these three things have in, in common? What I see is these are full of comparison. We're comparing ourselves to others. 
What possessions do they have? What have they accomplished in their life? How popular are they? When we start comparing ourselves to others, I don't care where it is, if it's at work, if it's at school, if it's in the home, if it's in the church, when we're comparing ourselves to others, we're, we're gathering our identity from the wrong place. Our focus should be not on what or who I want to be and who I think I am and the things that I have done, but our focus needs to be on who or what God wants us to be. And that is where we get our identity from. Listen, here's how we find our true identity. Number one, God calls us to himself. Hmm. What this means is we are special because we are created in God's image. Our, our uniqueness, our giftedness, even our service to the Lord are not what makes us special to him. It's that he created us, he formed us, he made us in his image. Let's, can you just sit with that for a minute? That the God who has created this entire universe spoke it into existence is the one who made you and loves you because you are created in his image. Yesterday was the start of college football season. I love college football. I'm a Buckeyes fan. Hallelujah. They won. Sorry, Mike. They beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Buckeyes won. I have followed the Buckeyes all my life. I buy Buckeyes t-shirts. I buy Buckeyes hats. I buy their jerseys. I put it on. I've spent hundreds of dollars over the years on Buckeyes stuff. I've never attended that school. That coach has no idea who I am. Not one player on the Buckeyes team cares how much I cheer for them. They don't know who I am from Adam. But the God of all creation knows me. The God of all creation loves me. And not because of what I have done, not because of the possessions that I have, not because of the position that I've attained, not because of what Pastor Lewis or anyone else thinks about me. He loves me because he made me. He formed me in my mother's womb. He knows the very number of hairs that are on my head. He knows the needs that I have before I even know them. He cares that much about me and he loves me that much. He loves you that much. He has called us to himself and says, you are my child, you are my son, you are my daughter and I love you because I created you, because I made you. That's what's special about being created in the image of God. Listen, I tell my daughters that I love them, that they are so special to me. And my daughter, Erin, we were driving in the car the other day and she was the only one with me and she says, Daddy, I'm the most special girl in the whole world, right? I'm like, well, <laughs> listen, you're special to me. You're special to your mom. We love you. She's three years old. I'm not going to tell her, well, you're special to us, kid, but, right? Because she's in for a, a rude awakening when she gets out into the world. My mommy and daddy told me I'm special. Yeah, go sweep the floor. Harsh reality is not everyone feels about my daughters the way that I feel about them. But, the, but, they, but she's my daughter. Guess what? To me, she is. She is one of the most special little girls in the world. 
That's the way God feels about us. Listen, listen to this verse, 1 John chapter 3. See how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. Christianity has changed the world because the truth that each of us has intrinsic value of just being created in in the image of God and that God loves us is what should cause us to love everyone regardless of culture, regardless of religion, regardless of politics, no matter how much they annoy us from time to time. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter if the things that they've done have been terrible and we say, I can't believe what they've done. It doesn't matter if the things that they've done are, are great and they say, look how great that is. That doesn't matter. We love everyone because they're created in the image of God because God has made them and God loves them just like he loves each one of us. I'm going to go on, but that's enough right there. Ooh, that's enough. That's where our identity and our worth comes from is that God has made us and that he loves us. Some of you, 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 you've been caught up in trying to earn that love, trying to do enough so that God will love you. I've got bad news and I've got good news for you. Listen, we're not enough. We're not enough. The young adults just finished a study of the book of Romans. And Paul, in in very plain language, lets us know we are not righteous when we stand before the God of creation. We do not measure up. That's the bad news is that we are not enough in ourselves and what we can do. The good news is that doesn't matter to God because we are enough for God because he has made us and he loves us and he's calling us to himself. And he's done so much for us that we're gonna talk about that in a second. Listen, the second thing that where, way that we gain our identity is God calls us to a cause. First he calls us to himself, then he calls us to a cause. God has told us Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations, right? When Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments for us to follow? Out of all the commandments that are listed in the law, what are the most important? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God calls us to a cause. This is his cause for us. I've worked in youth ministry, I've worked in children's ministry, I've worked in young adults ministry for a number of years. Even a, a number of adults have come up to me and they, a lot of them ask me the same question, Pastor Dan, I just wanna know what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Start there, start here. Preach the gospel, love God, love people. Let's start there. Because if we're doing those things, we are fulfilling the cause that God has given to us, the, 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 the purpose that he has created us for, and we're gonna find our identity and our, our worth through showing our love to God. Tristan, where are you, Tristan? Tristan was on a trip with me, a missions trip years ago to Mexico. And listen, we drove down to Monterey, Mexico, 24 hours straight. 
in a 15-passenger van with 15 passengers. No tent on the windows, okay? It was the middle of summer. This van was hot. After a full day of ministry, this van is full of sweaty teenagers. And the smell was something to behold. They had worked hard. They're dirty. They're sweaty. They're smelly. They should be tired. They are tired. But as we're driving back to the place that we're staying, that van was rocking. They wanted me to turn on praise and worship music, and they were, we were blasting that, and they are singing, and they are dancing. And I'm telling you, the van was literally bouncing. And we got back to the place where we're staying, and I said, guys, do you realize how dirty, smelly, and tired we are? We should, we should be worn out. We should be ready just to roll into bed and sleep for hours, and yet you're praising the Lord. Why is that? It's because we're fulfilling the purpose that God has made us for. They were serving the Lord. They were loving other people. They were preaching the gospel. That was a light bulb minute for a lot of those teenagers because they said, oh, when I am doing what the Lord has made me to do, I have contentedness in my heart. No matter what else is going on around me, no matter how smelly this van is, I have contentedness. Because when he calls us to himself, then he calls us to a cause. We can find our identity there. And the third thing that he does is he'll give us a place. See, we get things out of order. When, I think a lot of times when those teenagers and those young adults come to me and they say, what is God's will for my life? They want the place. First, where should I go? But God says, listen, first, know that I love you. Second, know that I've, I've given you a cause to love me and to love people and to preach the gospel then he's going to show you the place. He's going to guide you to the place. A lot of times we want that big booming voice, thus saith the Lord, Daniel, go to Lighthouse Church in Dallas. It's not always like that. But let me tell you, if I'm finding my identity in the, in the fact that I'm a child of God, I'm created in his image, and I'm doing what he has created me to do and loving God and loving others, he is going to guide and direct me. How many of you believe that? Amen. Word says when you, you will, when you, <laughs> sorry, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If I'm following after God with all of my heart, don't you think he's going to lead me where he wants me to be? He's going to put me in a place where I can use all of that uniqueness that I possess, where I can use the giftings that he's given me, where, where I can use those things that he has created within me to do his work. And for some, maybe it's standing on a stage and preaching. For some, maybe it's not. Maybe that's not your gifting. See, and that's where we st when we start comparing ourselves and say, well, God didn't give me this gifting, so he may not love me that much. No, God gave us each giftings that we are to use in the place that he's given us, but only when we understand that our image comes from him and that he, we're fulfilling his cause first, then we have a place. This could be our work. This could be your school. This could be your family. This could be your church. God has called you to a place, and it can be many different places at the same time, but he's saying, this is where I've put you. Now use those special giftings, those special abilities that I've given you and minister it for me. Serve the Lord. See, a lot of times when we want to think of our identity, it only makes sense to our brains to say, who am I? And we look inside. We look at ourselves. We say, who am I? And God says that our focus should be outward instead. Our focus should be on the Lord, and our focus should be on others. Then we will find ourselves. 
my goodness, this is strange. This is strange. Because so many times, and I'm, I'm going to close here. So many times, the truth of God's creation, the enemy likes to flip it 180 degrees on its head. And that's how he, a lot of times, will fool us. Well, think of the very creation story, right? We've, we've learned about it over these last many weeks. How did God create the world? Six days, six 24-hour days in a very short time, speaking the word out of nothing, it appeared. And what does the devil tell us? Oh, no, 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 no. Not six days in a very short time by an all-powerful God. It was billions of years over a long period of time by, by just genetic chance. And the devil, a lot of times, the enemy will have us believing that our worth is found first in who we are and what we do and what we have and how much people like us when the truth is 180 degrees, isn't it? The truth is that we have worth not in what we've done, not in what we've accomplished, not even in those terrible things in our past. Our identity comes from first knowing that God loves us and that he has called us as his children, that he has given us a cause and that he has given us a place to minister for him. Listen, in the world's economy, we do to prove what we are. But in God's economy, we are, so we do. When we can understand the truth in that simple statement, that is freedom. That is freedom. That is freedom. Praise the Lord. God reminds us of this proper order in Jeremiah chapter 9. It says, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to ask you a few questions, some things to consider. As you've listened to the words that I've said today and as you've listened to the words from the word of God. Some of you may have been feeling the pain of that, that I don't measure up, that I don't feel lovable, that I don't feel that I have worth because I haven't done enough, because I haven't gained enough, because people don't like me enough. I just want you to hear today, that stuff doesn't matter. You are a child of God, made in his image, and he loves you. It's true that we can't do enough, but God says, you don't have to do anything. Before the world began, I loved you, and I love you today, and there's nothing that we can do to make God's love any greater or any less for us than he already loves us. So prayer partners, if you're ready, you can come and be ready to pray.
if you've heard these words today and you say, Pastor Dan, I felt that. I feel like I'm a failure. I feel like God can't love me. I feel like other people can't love me. I feel like I don't love myself, so how can God love me? Just know that our image, our identity, our value, our worth doesn't come from those things. It comes from the fact that we are made in the very image of God. If you say, Pastor Dan, I, I want to become a child of God. I want to know this because God loved us so much that even while we were still struggling, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says, God loved us so much that he gave his son for us, even in that state. God didn't wait until he said, well, now you've done enough. Now I'll send my son for you. No, he already loved us. I said, I'll send my son. If, if you say, I want to know Jesus. We just want someone to come and pray with you. Just raise your hand. 